this morning, we're going to talk about where we're at today. And this is going to involve our young people a lot. Because they are facing things that I'm telling you, if you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s or older, you never even thought about the things that they're facing today. Matter of fact, when you were growing up, if you heard some of the words that are used today, your skin would crawl because that was just so against what you knew as natural and what you knew as right that it bothered you. And what our kids are around today, what we saw as unnatural, they see as just everyday life. We have gone back to Sodom and Gomorrah. We have gone back to that place where what is wrong has now been made right by society, not by God. We have watched where life itself has been turned upside down and where the church, instead of being a place to come, is now a place of contempt when the truth is preached. So what do you do with that? Well, you just deal with it head on and you look at the truth. So this morning, we're going to look at this head on. We're going to look at the truth of where we're at in our, in our world today. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 19, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word. Genesis 19, beginning with verse number 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the, in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So let's recognize real quickly what we see. We have a a man who sees two people, recognizes them for who they are. He invites them into their, to his home. At first they're going to say no, but, but he knows the nature of this town. He knows exactly what is happening here. And he says, no, no, you come in. Verse 4 says, now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young. So this is an epidemic. This is, this is people that, that have absolutely become carnal in their thinking and in their mind. All the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Father, we ask this morning that as we read your scripture, that we will recognize what is happening in our world today. As we look at those who are leading our country, And the filth that they are celebrating from the White House. And what's being demanded of those of us who love you. God, may we recognize that this world is turned upside down. And you're calling your church to stand right side up. And to proclaim from the rooftops. That Jesus is still Lord whether the world likes him or not. And that the Bible is still the only source of truth that really matters. 
We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So Lot went out in verse 6 to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Now, that sounds good that he would say, No, 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 we don't want you doing this. But the very next part should sicken us to our very core. It should make us just literally just, just sick to our stomach. The very next part says, See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man, please let me bring them out to you. You may do to them as you wish. His own daughters. His own children. But listen to the carnality of these men and just how sick these men are. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you and with him. So they pressed hard against the man, uh, the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Folks, if you don't think that the world that we live in today has not come up before God, if if he's just ignoring what is happening, and this is what a lot of people are saying, well, if God really felt that this is wrong, why is he allowing it to happen? Folks, God is not allowing this carnality that we see in our world today to happen. What he is doing, he is saying, I've turned you over to yourself. You are, you are doing exactly as you desire and as you wish. And any church who would say that we ought to bow down to this same nonsense is not a true church of the living God. So Lot went out, verse 14, spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Go up and get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But what did his sons-in-law do? They laughed at him. They thought it was all a joke. So when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his, two, of his daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him aside the city. Listen to me. You notice here, we, we always think about Lot, and we, we only focus upon his wife and, and her turning into a pillar of salt. But if you pay attention to Lot, folks, he didn't see a sense of urgency to get out. He had become used to what he was seeing. It, was, it had almost become a normal thing with what he was recognizing in his, within the people around him. He was not in a hurry. They were saying, get out now. And he's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's not that big a deal. And that's exactly how a lot of our young people are viewing the world that we live in today. Well, it's just not that big a deal. Everybody is what? Doing it. Let me read verse 16 so you catch it. And while he lingered, 
The men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him where? Outside the city. They have done him a favor. Young people, listen to me this morning. We're trying to do you a huge favor by pointing out that the world that you live in, the very world that you have found as being acceptable and normal, is a world that is absolutely filthy. And what your parents are trying to do and teaching you how to talk and who to have friends, who to be friends with and how to dress and what kind of music to listen to and what to watch on television and how to live amongst your peers. What they're trying to do is bring you out of the mess that you have found as normal. The men said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains and lest you, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know my lords in need. Now your servant has found favor in your sight and you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die again. Lot is still struggling with can God take care of me wherever I'm at. See how this city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, see, I found favor, I favored um, you concerning this thing also, and, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that city was called Zoar. The sun had risen up the earth when Lot entered Zoar, and the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities. All the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. Remember, they were told not to even look back, not to do anything. And so his wife, though, looks behind, and she became what? A pillar of salt. I just had to have one more look. Just one, one last carnal experience. And that was all it took. Remember David, we talked about him. One moment of carnality ruined his whole family. And he was never the king that he should have been. Because he just, one more time, one more moment, let me look back. You say, well, what is carnal? Well, carnal is of the flesh. It's of the flesh. Anything that has to do with the flesh, anything against God, the flesh of the human mind, of the human being, of the human spirit, anything to do um, with, with filling your own lust and desires, carn- carnally is to lie with. And that's what these men were desiring to do with these other men. And it's just not right. We know that. The Bible has spoken of that very clearly. But this is the world that we live in today, and it's the same world that Sodom and Gomorrah had. It's the same thing that was going on there that we see as being accepted today. It's the common thing today. So let's look at what the Bible says about the world that we live in today. First of all, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Folks, if you can look at nature and recognize the beauty of a creator, be at our world and said, no, 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 we got here by an explosion. We got here by some big bang by some big bang. No, no, we know by looking at creation, it took a designer. It took someone who had given thought to this to create it. Professing to be wise, by the way. All right, so let's go back to verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the very thing that happens in our churches today. We come to church, we hear the sermon, we walk out, and we live as though we are headed straight to hell. That's exactly what is taking place. The same thing that he is mentioning here in Romans is happening in our world today. People come and they hear the truth, they hear the absolute truth of God, and then they walk out of the church and they begin to do whatever the world is doing because it feels right and feels good. And you know what the world says? Whatever feels good, do it. You know what the Bible says? Live a holy and righteous life. Not according to Tom. Not according to Toddle. According to God and his word. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Folks, we live in a world today that would rather worship the very creation than the very one who created it. People understand more about saving a turtle than they do about saving an unborn child. People get more heartbroken over some commercial that shows a dog that doesn't have a home than they get worked up over a child whose life is about to be ended because a mother doesn't want to own up to what she's done. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen and amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for, the, for, the, for another um, Men with men committing what is sinful and shameful and receiving in themselves the, pl- the penalty of their error, which was due. You see where God speaks here of homosexuality. What are we to do with those people? Well, first of all, we're to recognize that every one of us in this room have sin in our life. The second thing that we're to realize is this. That if we continue to live in our sin, just as a homosexual lives in their sin, if we continue to live in our sins, then how can we say that we're Christian? The Bible says that a believer is changed, made new. So we pray and we share the gospel because the gospel is what wins people, not a church that's angry at somebody they don't agree with. The gospel is what wins people to Christ. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual morality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Boy, is that not true in our world today. We have found new ways to offend God. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. Folks, people focus just upon the homosexual part. Did you not read the rest of this? What he's saying is if people continue to live in their sin, even though they profess Christ, whether they be liars, whether they be backbiters, whether they be gossipers or homosexuals, they are lost. Now, hold on, brother Tom. (laughs) Now, hold on just a second. I don't mind you talking about everybody else, but now you brought, no, no, the Bible's very clear. We do not remain in our sin. We hate it. We hate it. You may from time to time fall backwards. You may from time to time find yourself falling into sin. But I'm telling you, you don't celebrate it any longer. You hate it. It sickens you. You desire out of it. You go out and you tell people, pray for me because I'm struggling. Pray for me because I need help. But those who continue to practice over and over and over and over, do not tell me that you know God. Because a person that is born again is born anew. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The fornicators, nor our idolaters, nor our adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Again, God is listing out all of these things that are accepted today. The world says get a leg up even if you have to cheat to get there. And it's accepted. It is okay by most of the world. The world's like, absolutely, whatever you got to do to get there, just, just get there. And God says, no, no, no. If you're mine, that's not how it works. If you're mine, that's not how it works. We live in a world today that is so confused, so messed up. There's over a hundred and I think like 70 some odd genders that are now recognized in the big government. But you know what the Bible says? There are only two genders. And we know this because the Bible is very, very clear. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. How, by the way, did he create them? He, male and female, he created them. Can you get an egg out of a rooster? Matter of fact, I would challenge some of you that want to, maybe you, you're thinking about, you know, I want, I'd love to have eggs at my house. Go out and get 40 roosters and wait. You'll be waiting a long time. Politicians are getting in trouble because they're saying that a biological male cannot have a child. You can't say that. Why? It's the truth. We're living in a world that is so messed up, so upside down, it hurts. Don't look back. Now's the time to look only at the God of the Bible. But so many people that 
have become saved. So many people that are, that are being asked are asking God, give me out of this life. Give me out of the one that I'm in. I don't want to be a part of this life any longer. I'm ready to be saved. And then once they come and they pray this prayer, they shake some hand, they get baptized. The next thing you know, they're right back into the same filth they were in before. And if you ask our young people why they do the things they do, can I tell you? They do it the same reason you and I did. We look at our young people, how these young people do something? Because they're just like us. My mother would ask me something, why do you do that? And my answer was always the same because everybody else was what? Was doing it. And because we've taken that attitude, we've raised the next generation to take it even further. And then their next generation will take it even further than that. Listen, here's reality. We look at the world that we live in today and wonder how it got there. It got there because of the generation before it. I want to read you something that was found on Answers in Genesis website, Dr. Georgia Perdue. She is an exceptional scientist, a lady who truly understands uh, the Bible, also understands the challenges that we face in our world today. She writes, we are all fallen with sinful hearts and evil dispositions and tendencies from infancy. Because of our sin nature, every person is born into sin and with a heart that desires darkness, not light and righteousness. Just because a person has debased desires from youth doesn't make those desires right, natural, or acceptable. It is still sin. According to God's word, And this is not true just for homosexuality, but it's true for every single sin. How many of you, if you were to be honest, you look at your child and your child has some of the worst traits they ever could have gotten from you? You ever wondered, where did that kid get their temper? Where did that kid get that smart mouth? We like to think that the kid got their good looks from us, got all their good compliments from us, all their good attributes from us. But the truth is, some of the worst things we wish our kids would have never, ever had to face, they got from us. We are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ. Scripture never tells us to pursue our natural desires. Instead, it says those desires are wicked and deceitful. And the only answer is repentance of faith. And faith, excuse me, in Christ, who gives us a new and eternal life. When we joyfully embrace Christ as Savior, we're given a new power to say no to sin and to pick up our cross and follow after him no matter the cost. We're called to a new identity. Here's what I want us to understand as young people, right? To, to all of my teenagers and younger, listen to me. You are called to a new identity. That is, and, and I want you to get through this. We have, you know what? As a matter of fact, I will call upon all of the generations before you real quick to admit this. We have a confession. 
Most of us were like the rest of our peers when we were growing up. Right? Anybody in here that perfect angel? Right? No, not even close. We were a lot like our peers, and we did a lot of the things that our peers did. And here's what happens. We have more heartache than we're willing to talk about because of being stupid when we were young. You have a new identity in Christ. You belong to Christ. That is your identity. Your identity is wrapped up in your sexuality? No. That's what the world says. It's wrapped up in your sexual desires? No, that's what the world says. Christ says you're a sinner in need of a great Savior. And when you turn from sin and trust in Christ, you are given a new identity. It's not grounded in your desires, but grounded in Christ and what he has done for you upon the cross. We are living in a world that is dying before us. And what most of the world is saying, most of the church is saying, is it's hopeless. It's hopeless. We keep hearing, God's coming back. God's coming back. Church, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you actually shared the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost person? What is wrong with the world is that the church is no longer burdened. And we're no longer sharing the truth. Instead, we want to be an ark. God didn't call us to be an ark right now. He didn't call us to go get in the ark. He called us to go. But a lot of us want to live as though we're an ark. We want to live in this protective little hub where nobody can get in. God called us to go. Well, I want this church to be a wonderful place for you to come and grow and learn. I also want this place to be a church where you are sent. Sent out with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the gospel that changes lives. Think about just before I stood up to pray, Travis Winfrey, I was shared with, they shared with me that Travis passed away. Travis Winfrey passed. And that was a man who knew what battle looked like. That was a man who wasn't afraid to do what was right, even, even if it hurt. <laughs> I wish we had more people like that. I, I wish you young people would have gotten to know some of these great old men and women of the faith. Who were not afraid of the gospel. And were not afraid to be turned down and laughed at. All they cared about. Was setting people free. I am so thankful. That God. Is an awesome. Awesome God. And what he did 2000 years ago. Still applies today. We just got to get the word out.
I want you to pray for your young people. I want you to be able to put eyes upon these young people. And I want you to be able to know these are the people I'm praying for. These are the people who are in desperate need of my thoughts and prayers. So as we close this service and after we're done with the invitation, I'm going to have all of our young people come down and I want them to stand before you. And I want you to be able to say, I'm going to pray for each one of them. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you, God, hold us accountable. Even though there are some who believe that once we're saved, nothing else matters. But the truth is, once we're saved, we ought to be living a life that reflects our beliefs. And the reason so many of our young people are struggling with life is because they don't see it in the older generation. And it it breaks my heart to know that we haven't set a good example. How can a young person learn to love God when their own parents or their grandparents or the people around them say they love God, but yet they hate other people? That's not Christ-like. We let go of hate when we come to Christ. Lord, today may we be that example. May Pine Island be that example that when people walk into this place, they say, that is a church who doesn't just speak of the truth, but they declare it when they walk out the door. God, may that take place today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.